Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. On today's podcast, I share a crossover episode from our new Football for All podcast, which is designed for your youth coaches, your youth parents, and your youth football commissioners. But it's also for you, the high school football coach. We know a lot of you in, the, in your communities build the program K through 12, and we want to be sure that we're providing resources for that. So you can head over to Football for All, the first six episodes, explain what the football development model is, what it can do for you, the six pillars that we've built it around, and then every episode focuses on some of those different pillars. And this first one is about game types. I think there's been a lot of creativity in how we introduce the game to our young athletes. And on this particular episode, you're going to hear a high school coach and the impact that the football development model has had in his community, as well as the different game types that are available. We don't necessarily have to start our youngest kids out playing 11-man football, 11-man tackle football, that we could build this in a progression. And for you, the high school football coach, I think this provides something that does the heavy lift. It's an incredible program. There are all kinds of resources for your youth coaches, uh, practice planning, understanding how to build relationships, understanding how to develop the whole person, all those things. We really put a lot into this. This has been a project that our teams at USA Football have worked on for the last several years, and it's here right now. We just need you, the football coach, whether you are a high school coach or a college coach, to be great ambassadors for the game and make sure that this message, especially this podcast, gets out to all the constituents, all the stakeholders in your program. So if you would, please listen and hear about some of the fun and exciting things we've done here to reimagine the game, as well as be sure that you do pass this along to your youth football community. Uh, I love the introduction here. It includes a lot of people who have helped us with this, starting with David Shaw. You'll hear him introduce it and ending with Herm Edwards and just a lot of good people who have been involved in this project. It's been something not just USA football personnel doing, but our our football development council, who's made up of doctors, former players, coaches, people who could give some insight into how we move this game along in a great way so that it stays here for a long time. Enjoy the episode. You take youth football, but then you fast forward 20 years. What that guy's going to remember 20 years after youth football are moments. We want kids who love football to have the opportunity to play football. There's opportunities no matter your gender, no matter your race, no matter your background. There's no specific box. Looking at, you know, whether it's playing flight football or 
modified version of the game. I think it's so smart. We're shaping the whole person. We want to make sure that you're a successful person on and off the field. Positive football experiences. So they keep playing and keep getting better. This is Football for All. On today's Football for All podcast, we talk with a high school coach who's also a member of the FDM Council about the football development model and the impact that it's had in his community, as well as the different game types that we have available. So joining me on the podcast is the head football coach at Dallas Center Grimes High School in Iowa, Scott Heitland. Scott, it's great to have you here. Hey, it's good to be here today, and I appreciate the opportunity to come on and, and talk a little FDM games with you guys. Absolutely. So, Coach, I, I want just our audience to be aware of you know, some of the things you've done and the things that you are involved in. And you are the head football coach 16 years now of a very successful program in those 16 years, nine playoff appearances, six district championships. You have the program going the right way, but you're also involved in the bigger picture things as well, serving on, uh, as well as our FDM council, a number of coaches associations. Yeah, you know, uh, one of the things that I was very fortunate growing up, you know, my, my dad was a head high school football coach here in Iowa for over 30 years, and he was very active within the Iowa Football Coaches Association. And as a, as a young coach, as an assistant coming up, um, I got a chance to tag along a little bit and sit in the back of the room and kind of see how the IFCA operates and, and some of the things that the board of directors did. And then I was very fortunate that I hadn't been appointed to fill an open seat. From that moment on, have been very active within the state association, you know, trying to promote football, just the, the best that we can make it here in the state of Iowa and have enjoyed some some different leadership roles within that group. Was a president in 2015 and 16 and then have served as a chairman of a number of different committees as well, including our youth football committee, where we try to be a liaison and a resource for high school and youth leagues across the state of Iowa. Coach, having served on some of those types of of coaches associations before I know the the big role in that is to look at the big picture and how can you know you keep as you know whatever it might be whether that's local or your state or I know you're involved in the National High School Coaches Alliance as well but within all those groups you're looking at how can you continue to advance and grow the game from your perspective what are some of the things that are important to you and in, in making sure that this game is around and healthy and, and thriving for future generations? That, you know, that's a great point and, and a great question, too, because I think that we have a tremendous responsibility as football coaches right now, probably more so than ever, to take a little bit more of a global look at football in our community and even football within our state. And, and I think you have to ask yourself, what can I do to help make it better? You know, uh, for, for years, we've heard people on television and podcasts and blogs read or talk and write about, you know, football being under attack and it's, you know, football being more challenged more now than ever. And I, I think a, a lion's share of that responsibility falls on the, the people that are leading those programs locally and taking a look and, and, and looking around at what's happening within your community saying, is this the best that we can do? And that's where a lot of it started for me was, you know, trying to educate myself and uh, and learn about what what was going on within, you know, football at all the different levels within my community. Not saying that it was my job to fix everything, 
but I think being knowledgeable about what was happening around me was my responsibility. And then starting to build relationships and collaborate with the people that were running those different levels of those programs to, to try to do everything we could to make the game the, the best ex- experience that kids could have. Because if they don't have those good experiences, I'm never going to see them in football. Scott, in serving as a member of the Football Development Council, if you could give us some perspective on that collaboration, because that's more than just coaches. That is um, people kind of from all uh, different aspects of of, uh, things that affect the game, you know, doctors, um, athletic trainers, strength coaches, uh, sports scientists, of course, uh, former players, um, you know, a, a wide variety of people have come together and collaborated on this. Talk to us about that group and the work that you've done and I guess the collaboration you've seen, you know, from, from working with these different types of stakeholders. Yeah. The FDM committee is a collection of some amazing people. I'm really honored to be a part of that group and to be able to sit in the room with some of these people, because you, you said it exactly right. There are, there's a little bit of everybody in that room. And the one thing that stood out for, to me, the first time that we ever got together collectively as a group was Everybody in that room had a great passion for football, whether it was Dr. Hainline at the at the NCAA level or myself at the high school level or, you know, former players, athletic directors, college coaches. I mean, there was just such a passion about everybody for the game of football in that room. And it was an amazing experience to sit in there and listen to all the different perspectives and all the different ways that people were bringing not only their personal experiences, but their professional experiences and their desire to make the game better so that it could be still thriving, not only five years from now, but 50 years from now. And to be able to sit in there and live different perspectives from all around the country, I think has really provided our committee some, some incredible opportunity to develop an FDM model that I think is really capable of working anywhere throughout the country based upon what you think the needs of your local community are. And I know a big part of that has been looking at this also from the perspective of different entry points and different game types for players. And when I first started at USA Football, it was looking at the rookie tackle format, which, you know, when we we looked at how that game allowed for, even though it was smaller sided, for kids to be more involved in every single play. And, you know, something, again, it was, there were a lot of, of, of things within there that I think are innovative, like pos- position sampling and eliminating at that age, the three-point stance only being in the two-point stance, no blitzing, etc. Yet at the same time, it, it was a game that when they started playing, looked a lot more like football than maybe, you know, when you get those little guys out on the field and one guy runs for the edge and is faster than everybody else and everybody just watches him go go score a touchdown. So that that I think started this whole idea of looking at the game types. Um what were your thoughts when you first saw the rookie tackle format? You know, that's really where it all started for me personally is I, I attended the USA football conference and I can't remember if it was the the year that it was in Indianapolis or the first year down in Orlando, but they sort of, one of the big presentation pieces for USA football that year was this idea of rookie tackle. 
And I'm, I just, I can remember, you know, as a coach, just sitting there in the, in, in the seats, watching them and having one of those aha moments and sitting there going, this makes total sense. This makes complete sense. What, what in the heck, you know, why, why haven't we, we realized this earlier or sooner? Because, you know, as, as I have my own son, who's 10 now, who was started working his way up through his different youth activities, you know, I, I sat there and had this realization that football was the only sport that didn't have, you know, multiple entry points. Football was the only sport that didn't have this, this progression. You know, in, in baseball, he played T-ball and then coach pitch, and then he played on the smaller diamonds with the shorter base, base paths and the shorter pitching to home plate distance. And, you know, you worked your way up. Soccer was the same way. Hockey was the same way. And as I came home and started looking a little more at this stuff, I'm like, holy cow, you know, why do we, why do we have to have this one or the other option in football? And as I started looking into it a little more and started, you know, looking in what some of the other options were out there, the more, uh, I guess, in love I became with this idea of rookie tackle or this eight-man game serving as a, a transition. And we dove right in. I, I can remember calling my contact at USA Football at that time and saying, hey, I want everything you have on rookie tackle. We, we want to do this. And, there, and, you know, at the time, it, I don't think they had as many people asking stuff as, as they do now. And, you know, I remember getting some of the information from them and, and having them say, you know, we're, we're still kind of developing and evolving this. But, you know, it was just something that as I shared it with people here locally, they looked at it and they're like, yeah, this makes total sense. And that, that's really where it all started for us here within our, our local organization was, you know, we just kind of looked around and thought, you know what? That this is a better pathway for kids that will impact on an experience level and ultimately on the fun level too. Yeah, exactly. And as you said, it was a starting point. And, you know, instead of saying, oh, wow, this is really good, let's stop here, we started looking and digging deeper into the game types, into how we can make this more of a progression more of a pathway, really look at, you know, something that you and I value as, as coaches, you know, at the, the high school and college levels, teaching kids to play on their feet, right? Which, you know, you think back to the early days of putting the equipment on, I mean, there was a lot of lunging and, you know, <laughs> weight forward, head forward, all those kinds of things that happen when you're putting equipment on for the first time. So now it's, it's looking at, okay. Especially the helmet. Yeah, the helmet. Now it's looking at, we have the non-contact game with flag looking at now not just going to the smaller side of rookie tackle, but having a limited contact game with the rookie tackle smaller sided format, then teaching the full contact and rookie tackle eventually progressing to 11 man. And, and that is the full progression. Now I know some communities look at maybe a few of those different entry points and not all of them, but in, in looking at that to what, what has been added here, in the different game types, how, how do you think that's important for developing our young athletes and, and really ultimately retaining them and, and making sure that they're having fun and that we're getting as many through to graduate from our high school programs as possible? I just really think it's, it's critical and it's, it's a crucial step progression. And I am a huge fan and huge proponent of it, obviously. But to, to be able to put yourself in the, in the shoes of that six, seven, and eight-year-old, okay? You're already out there, and depending upon the kid, and every kid's different. Some kids walk in, and, you know, they're oozing confidence, and, you know, they've, they've played the yard with dad a whole lot, but there's other kids who haven't. 
And you, you, you take a game like football where there's contact involved and you put a kid out on the field at a certain age. And the only thing they're worried about is where am I going to get hit or who, who's going to hit me? And then how's this going to feel there? When you look at these different game types, what it does is it brings certain elements of the game to the kid, allow them to slowly acclimate and then to where they are really prepared for that first year of full on contact 11 on 11 football. Take my own son. You know, I can remember the first time he ever put a helmet on and now being the kid of a football coach, he's toyed around putting helmets on all the time. But to put that helmet on, first thing he did, the first pass I threw, it bounced off his face mask. Hands far enough out in front of him because he wasn't used to having it on there. So this progression that you talked about, I think, is so important because it keeps in mind that every time the full 11 on 11 contact game, we're changing something that's a really big deal for the participants. And when you change something that becomes a focus of their attention, something else is going to suffer as a result of that. And, you know, so if all of a sudden we put, take kids from, you know, making that jump from football to tackle football right away with no, no modified game in the middle where they get an opportunity to, to, to get acclimated to the equipment and, you know, how to maybe even spend in a year, you know, whether it's doing tackle bar or padded flag where I'm going to wear the equipment. I'm going to learn how to carry it, learn how to play in it, learn how it feels, learn, learn what it's like to hit the ground with it. <clears throat> but I don't have to worry about getting tackled yet. Now we'll worry about the tackling part next year. And then the FDM model has put in place, I think are going to do nothing but make the experience better for kids so that they will, like you said, graduate from the youth program to the middle school programs and eventually to our high school programs. And I think that it's allowed us as organizers to be able to put an emphasis back on the importance of skill development and fundamentals during these different ages, because now we're not being distracted by certain components of the game. We're getting maybe more tension than deserved from the kids because of a nervousness or a fear or a certain level of uncomfortable that they had. Now we can put our focus back on building better football players. Experience is a good one so that, you know, we're going to see them in our high school football programs. Yeah, exactly. And I appreciate you sharing that information and that insight into this. I got, you know, a few more questions here I think will be helpful for, you know, youth coaches out there, youth parents, maybe listening to this, commissioners, about what this can do for their community. So my first question is, what piece of advice would you have for leagues or communities that are considering adding new entry points in terms of game types? Yeah, I think the one thing that we have learned both locally and even regionally as we talk about this is I think the first thing that needs to be done is communication and education. If there's one thing that we've saw or observed here in the state of Iowa is that coaches and, and commissioners and league organizers that begin having this discussion with their stakeholders early, talking a little bit about why we want to do this, talking a little bit about the benefits to the participant, talking a little bit about how this is going to be carried out, I think that People cannot underestimate the importance of early and clear communication with those involved so they can understand what's going on. The worst thing that we have seen that people have, have tried to do is walk in the month before registration starts and say, hey, oh, by the way, we're, we're just doing this and draw a line in the sand. Because a lot of the people who you're going to count on both to participate and to coach in your league, they may have some questions and they may have some things that they need answered. And I am completely confident that if you do your, your job ahead of time with establishing a communication plan 
and an education piece about why this is a good move, I find it very, very difficult for people not to look at it and say, this makes sense. I can see the reasoning behind this. I can see the, you know, the, the, the science that we have behind it or the people we have behind it. So the, if that's the one piece of advice I could give today is, number one is, you know, take your time to plan and prepare and educate and communicate as clearly as you can. And then the second piece of that would be, don't be afraid to make a change. Don't be afraid of change. You know, uh, tradition can be a real killer of innovation at times. And just because we've done it one way for so long, and I think that's the other thing that really stood out in some of the places that we've worked with here, even locally within within the state of Iowa, is as people have called us and said, hey, you know, can, can you come talk to, to our league board? And can you come and visit with some of the people in our community? Tell them why you decided to do this. You know, we talk a lot about you know, we're not trying to remove the tradition of what you've done here because there, there are some leagues out there that have been in place for 30 or 40 years. You know, and, and, and if you've got people that have been a part of that for a long period of time, when you bring up something like this, it's almost like you're attack- they feel like you're attacking them personally. And we're not, and they know that, but it's hard not to experience and feel that way because they put so much of their time and energy and their love of the game into what they have. Those are two things that I, I would give as advice is, you know, do your, do your homework, prepare get your stuff lined up, communicate to the stakeholders, and and really, you know, don't let the uh, tradition be something that will hold you back from trying something new that could be as good or better in the long run. In, in that regard, what do you wish you knew then that you know now as you were implementing this new approach? I think the, the number one thing that I know is that I feel just as passionately about this today as I did two years ago. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't go back and change what we tried to do, but there are a number of things that, you know, we've learned along the way. Probably that education piece that I talked about just a minute ago was probably one of the big things there. Now, within our own community, I thought we did a really nice job of that. But as we've worked with some other communities, I think we've we've seen and watched them approach it maybe too quickly without reaching out to those stakeholders. And that's something now that we communicate pretty clearly to everybody that it'd be really helpful if they took the time to do that. The The last part would be, you know, just if you're going to have to strike out on your own to do this, there were two components that we were kind of trying to develop at the same time. Because we left the league to do this and we had to create our own league, we spent most of our time in year one locally trying to get a league set up. Where are we going to play? We're going to have to have officials and all that stuff. And then I wish I would have had a little more balance with the other league leaders as far as dividing up some of those things there. But, you know, I think there, there's so many more resources and so much more stuff uh, available today, even through the FDM Council and now the FDM model that is there to help support people do this. I think that that will really help people find success. Coach, talking directly to the youth coach, what insights would you provide to them about the benefits of these progressive game types and how they support player development? Yeah, I think the number one thing that stands out about how these game types promote player development is the ability to teach those important skills that you want kids to develop at the different levels. I don't care what sport it is, you know, there are certain certain kind of standards that you want to see kids achieve as they work their way through these different levels of your game, whether it's little kids soccer, little kid hockey, or now little kids football. I can tell you that uh, as I watch my own son go through the first two levels of our youth program, first through the first flag game 
and then a modified game level that his skill development has been been excellent and I know that in talking with him that he can come home and talk with me about the different things that their coaches are doing with them in practice and part of that is because we operate on those smaller teams and I think there's more one-to-one contact and more one-to-one coach time that exists with some of these game formats. From the high school coach side and talking to that group and looking overall what can the football development model do for them? What are the benefits for them to be involved in this? You know, if, if I was standing in front of a room of high school football coaches, I would tell them that I'm confident that this FDM model is going to produce better football players for them when they, you know, work their way through it and eventually get into their high school programs. I just, when you look at the resources that are included in this and you look at the emphasis on skill development and the emphasis on the, the game types and making sure that you're learning different parts of, of the game at these years, I just got, I just, I believe that high school coaches are going to have a better overall athlete that comes to them in that eighth, ninth, or 10th grade year, whenever they see them for the very first time. And I, and that's kind of a, a lofty statement to throw out there, but at the same time, if, if, if that's not what I believe, then, then I, I don't know what I'm doing either, because that's the reason why we got involved and we made some of our changes is we felt that this would be a better experience, be a better preparation path for those kids as they work their way up to the high school programs. You mentioned before the the traditionalists, right? The the people who have done it away for so long. And I've seen this argument with, you know, flag football being implemented in a community and, and certainly rookie tackle and all these, these different things, you know, with basically the overall mindset being this isn't really football. This isn't what it's going to take to win at the high school level. This isn't going to help my son. I know parents think about these things. This isn't going to help my son get a scholarship later because it's not the real game. How would you address those? You know, and that, that's that's a real common question that I get posed through to all the time. And I think that's kind of two ways. First of all, number one is there are just some people you're never going to convince. There are certain individuals or certain people that have had an experience with something that has been so good in the past that you're not going to be able to convince them that something different is better. So on one hand, you know, one of the things that we say quite often when we travel around the state talking to different groups is, you know, this is, you know, this is an idea. This is what we think based on the, the, the people that have gathered in the FDM council, you know, this is what they think is the best pathway, but you ultimately have to decide what's best for your community. Now, on the other side of that, to that traditionalist, to that person who just can't look at a modified game and say that this is football, you know, it's, it's hard to argue with the, the numbers. It's hard to argue with some of the experts that are weighing in on this. But, you know, here in the state of Iowa, at least, we, we play eight-man football here in Iowa. We crown a state champion every year in, in eight-man football and hand them a trophy, and just like we do all the 11-man teams. And our modified games that, that are being proposed out there, some of them are eight-man versions. So I have a hard time with people saying that's not football because we play eight-man football and six-man football all throughout the United States of America. And so so it is it is real football. It's just not maybe what they're going to play when they get to the high school version of where you're at. But t-ball is not really baseball. Coach pitch isn't. Cross-ice hockey at the youth level isn't really, you know, there are lots of examples out there where you can show them that at certain ages, especially at those younger ages, 
that the game is better, the experience will be better, the skills will be learned better, the skills will be put on display better when you shrink down or you minimize some of the stuff that, that the kids have to take in. You even mentioned earlier when we were talking, I can't remember if it was when we had started recording or not, but you know, you, you, you go back to some of those youth games and you know, we've all been to those youth games and seen it where, you know, they line up and they pitch it to the fast kid and he beats everybody around the edge and it's 60 yards down the field for a touchdown. And that's the offense or that's what all the scoring plays look like. Well, you take that field and now you go down and you play on a 40 by 40 field at certain age groups and you put eight kids on the field. Guess what? That play doesn't happen anymore. That's something that you, you, that's something that you can, you can minimize the effects of happening because of playing on that, that smaller field. Now the game has to adjust and change because of that. Now you can't just pitch it to the fast kid. Now you've got this, you, that kid is going to learn more about the game of football because of how it's going to have to be played differently because of the modifications that you take. I know that when we were putting our rules together, we spent a lot of time talking about, okay, where's the loophole in this? And, you know, trying to figure out, you know, how are people going to maybe take this adjustment we're making, which we think is good for the experience and for the game, and it's going to achieve this goal. How are people going to try to get around it? Because, you know, the, sometimes as the adults and the, you know, we're the ones that are messing things up every now and then. And, and I think by making some of those modifications, when you talk to that traditionalist, you can say, I really truly believe, and I would tell them that I personally truly believe that the quality of the game and the experience at certain ages is better on a modified field. Well, the, the proof is always in the pudding, right? As, as they say, and looking at this, looking forward, right? We, we don't have that long-term evidence because we've just started this. You know, you've, you've been at it a little bit longer than everybody else, but what do you envision the successes in this to be? What do you envision as the, the long-term benefits of looking at, you know, the different game types, entry points in the football development model as a whole? I think long-term what I see and what, what I envision, what I hope for is a pathway in football that is similar to what we see in some of our other youth sports, a, a pathway that's going to provide kids opportunities to, to engage in a game that I think there's no doubt that we, we love. And it's going to give parents an opportunity to say, this is where I'm comfortable right now with the, my, my child and their level of engagement. And I think, you know, ultimately the thing that we all want to see is participation go up. But really what, what I hope that w what we see out of this, and this is really hard to measure, is that we see more kids falling in love with the game. We see more kids sticking with the game as they grow up because they've had a great experience with it. And we see people just becoming lifelong fans of the game because not everybody's going to play football for their whole, you know, very, very few percent go on to play in the professional leagues. But I think more than anything, one of the underlying goals of any youth program is to develop, you know, a lifelong passion for a game so that when, you know, maybe your days are done playing it, you know, you're still going to remain a big fan of it and you're going to be able to relate to it. And I think that's something that, that I hope comes out of this. You know, football is a little bit unusual. We tell our high school kids all the time that, you know, you're going to be able to go to the park and play pickup basketball, and you're going to be able to, you know, play in, in softball and, and, and slow-pitch leagues and different things, you know, as you get to be an adult. But, you know, there's, there's not very many, you know, recreational adult football leagues out there. There are some, some flag football leagues that exist in different places. But, you know, as far as the, the padded game goes, you know, it's, 
not as common in some places as it is in others. And so, you know, we just want to make sure that people love the game and, and learn it the right way so that they can become lifelong followers and supporters of the game because their experience as a, as a young adult is going to be largely a piece of maybe their own children's and their experience in it someday. And so if they have a good experience, maybe they don't go on and play even high school football or college football, but if they had a good youth experience, they're going to encourage and allow their kids someday to maybe try it. And maybe that's somebody that goes on to, to play high school or college or who knows what. Well, Coach, I appreciate you taking the time with us on the podcast, and I certainly appreciate all the work that you're doing to help advance and grow and unify this game. And I continue to uh, look forward to the work that the FDM Council is doing as well in helping move this game along. Well, I, I sure appreciate the opportunity, and it's a, like I said, it's a, it's a real honor to be on that FDM committee, and, and, I, and I feel very fortunate to get an opportunity to spend some time with you today talking a little bit about it and you know, just, I guess, talking about our experience. So thank you very much for the chance. Thank you for your interest and support in the football development model. We cannot create a stronger sport without you. Head to fdm.usafootball.com to get involved. We'll see you next time on the Football for All podcast.